Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is once again lead analyst Logan Motoshami, and we're going to be talking about the latest jobs data and how that affects our chances for a recession this year. I think you will also have some choice words to say about the Federal Reserve. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Sarah Wheeler, it is great to be here because today I was able to tweet out my Hulk Hogan gif. And for all of us Gen X and baby boomers, though, you remember when Hulk Hogan's just about to win the match? He throws someone off. He does the nodding his head. No, you're not going to win kind of act. And I was able to put that on today because uh, I think uh, today on Jobs Friday was really, really an important day um, for this country, right? And uh, for us to fight against the Federal Reserve who wants a job loss recession and the pathway for a soft landing or how to avoid a recession, there is we're starting to see the mechanics of the data start to work toward that area. Uh, and on Jobs Friday this morning, it, it really showed the case that there there is a way to get there. Hopefully, we can get there, and hopefully, the Fed doesn't screw things up. And it's a positive for housing, for America, for everything, except if you're a bearish American citizen. That sucks. <laughs> So glad we have some positive things to talk about. That's great. So tell me, what did the jobs report say that is making you so like, hey, this could be a soft landing? I mean, what what did you get out of that data? Okay, so like everything else we do here at Housing Wire, we want to be the detective, not the troll. There is a pathway to connect this. So all six of my recession red flags are up as of August 5th. But with that, I, I kind of said there's two ways or the two things you need to happen to avoid a recession in the near term. The growth rate of inflation needs to fall. We try to fight back against the Federal Reserve who wants Americans to lose jobs to make their job easier. And um, uh, mortgage rates need to fall because the, the, sec- the two sectors that are really impacted right now are <clears throat> housing and tech. Uh, housing, of course, is very easy. Mortgage rates had the biggest increase in recent modern day history. So that's that. That was the Fed's target, the housing reset. Tech, there's a lot of hiring and tech companies that do not need, they don't need that many workers. Uh, So they're being laid off. They tend to find jobs right away. Outside of that, everything else is kind of just holding firm. I know manufacturing data is, 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 looks recessionary, but we're just holding the line. So, uh, when I wrote the article on October 27th, the case for lower rates, there was a reason why I picked that day. That day, the Fed's big recessionary indicator went off. Um, people were talking about 8 to 10% mortgages at that point. Rates were above 7 But clearly, the growth rate of inflation was peaking. So if this does occur and rent inflation is inflating the data, over time, right, the whole the whole premise was 12 months from now, we'll be in a different spot. During that process, rates and bond yields should be going lower. So the peak was about four and a quarter around then. And now, you know, we're, we're seeing bond yields start to trend lower, a little bit of uh, reprieve, headed head, head back up toward the end of the year. And now after a jobs report that was beat expectations, 3.5% unemployment rate, 
Wage growth is slowing. I think that's what the market liked. But it shows that the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve needs a reset. That's what, that's what they need. The Federal Reserve members themselves need a reset, right? Because it's, it's one of these things to, I understand the 1970s. I understand there's Fed members that lived in the 1970s. It's not the 1970s. If we did have entrenched, entrenched inflation like the Federal Reserve is afraid of, and that inflation is going to go rampant because we can't get rid of it, the 10-year yield would have been north of five and a quarter, and there's no way it would be heading down, right? Because they would understand that it's the 70s, right? That it, we have this big spike in inflation and that it's going to stay here. The 10-year yield didn't. We got to four and a quarter. The last move was because the dollar went crazy. So here we're starting to we're starting to get the picture. And for some of us, we're trying to scream this out to the Federal Reserve. You don't need Americans to lose jobs to make your privileged job that you can't lose because you're protected easier, right? Uh, follow the data. Now, I could say that the Fed is just talking really tough. They really believe this. They just want financial conditions to get as tight as possible. And when jobless claims breaks, right, our model here says four-week moving average jobless claims breaks over 323,000. There's a reason for that. I take initial claims, continuing claims, job openings. We're the only people on planet Earth that talk about job openings, get it to 10 million. Unemployment rate, you put it all together, that would break the, the labor market. We're trying to avoid that until the Fed, Fed gives up on this. And I think that's, that's the positive of, of this jobs report that the market is starting to do, like we've talked about. The market is starting to pivot for the Fed, right? And if we get to that point where the labor market breaks, the bond markets go, dude, Fed, you need a reset. Come on, wake up, McFly, hello, whatever we want to talk about. Don't be an old, slow turtle. Okay, but that that is one of the data lines that you always look at, which is jobless claims. So what did what did that do this month? I mean, what did that- Jobless claims is good. I mean, uh, initial claims stayed low and uh, continuing claims came lower. And even with all that, Wage growth is slowing down, and the growth rate of inflation is slowing down. There is a holy economic war some of us are having with the Federal Reserve right now about the notion that you need a, oh, a bunch of baby boomers telling people that they have to lose their jobs to fight inflation. Oh, and this is this is what we this is what we're excited about that we're starting to see the growth rate of inflation fall even with a tighter labor market. Right. So it's just there, there is a long battle here with the Federal Reserve, which goes back decades. Uh, myself and a few others. Right. We had we had low inflation for the 21st century with low unemployment rates, especially toward the end of last expansion, which was the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history. We never had wage spiral or breakaway inflation or anything like that. We had a global pandemic. We're working our ways back. Some of the global pandemic inflationary data are already back to pre-COVID levels. Endure yourself and don't crash the plane. So, Land it. So let's talk about soft landing. That's what we're talking about today, right? Is you say the Federal Reserve needs a reset. Obviously, they they famously said we needed a housing reset. Housing went into a recession over the summer. What does the soft landing look like now? We're already in it. I mean, housing's already in a recession. A soft landing really looks very simple. Bond yields go down, stabilizes the housing market. 
Um, you don't even need the Fed to cut rates this year. You just need the growth rate of inflation to come down, which means that real wages are going to rise because, right, you know, your, your real wages look bad in a sense because inflation. But if, if, if your wages stay the same and your inflationary data falls, your real, real wage grows up. By the way, just, just, uh, just for everybody to notice, your best real wage inflation data always comes in a recession. Why? Because oil prices tend to crash and your real wages go up. That's, you know, that's the anomaly of the data line. It happens all the time. So take the real wage data with a little bit of grain of salt. But, but if bond yields fall down, uh, the growth rate of inflation, the two things that are impacting the two sets of the economy that are negative can stabilize, right? So, uh, you know, five, we talked about this, 5.375 to 5.75%. If we get that with duration, we could stabilize you know, we saw what happened with, with the housing market when rates went from 7.375 to 6.12%. Uh, Stabilization first, right? You have to stop the bleeding. We can stop the bleeding. Bond yields go down. Rates go down, right? Because we're working from a lower ball. I think that's the one thing about housing economics that people have to realize. When you're working from 6.5 million home sales, it's different you know, where rates have to be. But when you're working from existing home sales, which are probably going to break under 4 million, which historically is really rare post-1996, stabilization, you know, means the bleeding stops and then you can take it from there. Um, so it, it's encouraging that, you know, kind of since October when everyone was full on 8, 10% mortgage rates, home prices falling 40%, a giant recession, you know, there is a way to get to the ending. And again, following my work, I believe pathways are the best. My six recession red flags are up, but there is there is two things that could happen that could create a soft landing. Or what what I what I really want to do is um, old high school basketball coach in me. Boy, when claims are breaking, we start yelling and screaming at the Federal Reserve. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, our players are being held by you. American families are going to lose their jobs because of you. Come on. Come on. Get off this. You want to work the Fed so much that they start to feel like, oh, my God, there's like 15 of us. We're not elected. And there's 330 million Americans that are really pissed off at us. You know, that's what we want. That's the invigorating part of this cycle right now. Right. There's going to be a challenge to the Federal Reserve members if this is true. Right. If the growth rate of inflation could come down without a job loss recession, which means that they would need to look back for the last four or five decades. And all these old guys who kept on saying we need unemployment rates at six or seven percent to fight inflation. There's no way inflation could fall down because, you know, this is the days of the baby boomers are coming to an end. Right. We are taking over. So this is our fight against them. And you don't need a job loss recession to crush inflation or have it to go down. We're seeing that right now. That's why I'm so happy and very invigorated today for the United States of America, because my most bearish American friends are all like, oh, my God, no, this can't happen. No, Fed has to rape, has to destroy the economy. So. so not only is soft landing, you wrote an article uh what, a couple months ago about how we can avoid a recession. So tie that back into this. Well, it, it, it's it's really simple. The the, the the core basis of my work, I, and a lot of people who follow me on Housing Wire probably didn't follow me in the previous expansion. The, the extreme left and the extreme right of this country hijack the economic discussions into a point of just bat craziness, okay? There was never 96 million people out of work 
There was never, you know, a, 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 a the middle class is destroyed, whatever, all this, all this class warfare nonsense. But what we did have is that the consumer balance sheets were looking better because we put those two laws into effect, right? The bankruptcy reform laws in 2005 and the QM laws. So we had this, the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history. Most people are employed, most people are working, the wages go, that's, that's what you want. So here, the core foundation is our demographics are better than other countries because we have a lot of young workers. We have older workers leaving, right? The whole baby boomers are dying. Guess what? We need to replace them. Job openings are going to get to 10 million. Why? Because we have enough demand to keep you know, uh, uh, the, the economic expansion going. And as long as you know, people age, there's no Dorian Gray labor market, people should be employed. That is a historical 200-year foundation discussion right there, right? It's not like we're just making this stuff up. Then the consumer balance sheets are good. So here, we have it here, but the Federal Reserve truly believes, in a sense, they can't defeat inflation unless millions of people lose their job. And then they'll, they'll, be, they'll be able to handle it. Oh, my, Sarah Wheeler, I cannot wait to have this open war with the Federal Reserve when jobless claims break. Because if they're going to start to say, well, we're not going to cut rates if people lose their jobs. I I hope there is more of a discussion how so few unelected people can control the lives of 330 million, right? Without consequences of ever fearing of losing. I know the Fed independence, but we have enough data to show this to be the case. Now, the counter to me is that while the US economy is booming, right? And it's simply demand is going to outstrip supply and that inflation will be entrenched for 10 years, or it's going to stay at seven, eight, nine, 10%. You know, that. So we just don't have that kind of economy, right? We don't have that kind of, uh, uh, you know, the, the supply chains are getting better. But, you know, if we were, if our population growth was booming, right? Like it was in the 70s, right? The 70s had inflation population. We didn't have that many homes built out or stuff built up back then. So you could see how inflation could get entrenched there. Here it's different, right? And your job is not to fight oil prices or Vladimir Putin or OPEC or something, right? We already have a strong dollar, right? The the bird flu is not something the Federal Reserve can control on egg prices, right? It's not the, their things. Service inflation data should calm itself. Shelter inflation's already calm itself. You put these things together, things will get back better in line, and you don't need to create a job loss recession for this endure, let it take its course. So that was the how to avoid a recession. The growth rate of inflation falls, bond yields fall, mortgage, that's it. Those two things, why we come back to what is our core, the strength of the United States of America, its people, its demographics, king dollar, right? It's consumer balance sheets. That's where we crush the world. That's where we crush the American bears. I love it. I love your passion on this topic. So I recently talked to uh, Bob Brooksmith. He's the president and CEO of the Mortgage Bankers Association. And he made uh, some of these same points where he was like, you know, their forecast has um, rates, mortgage rates going at by the end of 2023 down to 5.2 potentially, which is uh, really similar to yours. You know, your, your range is 525 to 7.25 over the next year. Um, and then you've made that case for even going lower. But one of the things he said is he feels like even if the Fed, you know, continues to raise rates going in, that's already been factored in. The market's already taken that into consideration. That's not going to move things very much. Do you agree with that? The 10-year yield peaked a few months ago. 
And even with rate hikes in place, even with Fed governors talking about 7% Fed funds rate, we need the bond market is like, nah, no, no, you guys are cute. There's like 15 of you. Great. No, we're not, we're going, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. Right. I think that last move to four and a quarter percent, there was a lot of market disruption that happened. I think people forget the dollar was getting crazy and the IMF and all the world. I mean, England was going to lose its entire pension funds. We had Japan intervention. We're about to do a mission impossible IMF message to shut the Fed down because they were saying stop raising rates. The world does not react well when the dollar gets too strong. So countries have to sell their treasury. So we saw this last level spike. I will show the respect to that four and a quarter level on a technical basis. But if we're looking here, the 10-year yield, four and a quarter to 3.21%, that in a sense would get mortgage rates with a five handle. If this, That's assuming the spreads are still bad. If the spreads get better, you get to the low fives, right? That's not that's not even that's not even a question. The question is, do we break under three percent, get to two point seven to another key level around there, uh, where rates and then you get the spreads better, then you get rates under five percent. And the reason I say five percent that area is that that first time we saw the rates go to six and a quarter to five percent, we actually saw some stabilization. It just wasn't there very long in the Federal Reserve went crazy. They said, no, you can't buy homes. No, you can't be employed. You can't have your wages rise. This is the United States of America. We have to protect our you know, bosses. They can't be paying up for your labor. No, no, no. Bad, bad, bad. So they had their little fit. And uh, now there's, there's all these talking points by the Federal Reserve members the last two or three months. The bond market isn't biting anymore, right? So um, there becomes a point if you keep on doing the same thing and the bond market tells you something else, then I think there is a very valid question of, is the Fed too old and too slow? And you know my answer. They are too old and they are too I slow. I know your answer. Oh, no. This is not 1975. That was the year I was born, by the way. And uh, things are different now, right? And we had, we remember, the inflation breakout, we had the 21st century we had low unemployment. We never had the breakout in inflation, right? It never happened. We had 0% interest rates. We had QE. We had, couldn't create inflation here around the world. We had a global pandemic, right? It's nobody's fault that that happened, right? So we should not, you know, we are, we should not, we should be a little bit mindful that when some of those things like the freight costs from Shanghai to Los Angeles, those ports, they're back to 2018 levels right now. Uh, um, the growth rate of shelter inflation, right? The same thing that happened in 1918, you know, with the, with, with the Spanish flu, we, we saw rent inflation go up and the rent disinflation, things come down. Endure at this point, right? So my, my thing is that, okay, I, I'm hoping that they're just talking tough just to keep financial conditions high. But if they are actively pursuing the losses of American jobs, to make their job easier when now we are actually seeing the growth rate of inflation cool down. Oh no, you are not getting away with this one. The Fed needs a reset, not the United States of America, right? Because they are stuck with the 1975 prison, which is fair if you really believe in 1975 is here, that massive population growth is happening and there's not enough supply out there, um, then okay, but that's not the case. 
and for especially for shelter inflation, we're going to have a million uh, uh, units. Thankfully, thank I mean one blessing for the United States of America that the builders had a lot of backlog because if there was see do you see how you can get trapped within with with housing inflation that once rates rise production stops. Imagine if we didn't have that backlog. And we're sitting here in the Fed saying, we have to destroy enough demand to, you know, so thankfully we have those near a million units that'll come online and that'll bring down shelter, the growth rate of shelter inflation now. Because remember, inflation never ends. It's always growing, right? It doesn't go away. It's the growth rate that matters. And it's the entrenchment. That's the battle. Oh, I am so excited for 2023 because it's this humongous battle against the younger Americans versus the baby boomers and the Federal Reserve. And let's just go at it. And let's see, we believe in employment is a good thing, right? And that wage spiral, just it's, it's, there, there's no evidence of it that we have massive wage spirals out here. So we can work our way back. And we don't have to lose jobs for this. We don't have to lose jobs. That would be great. And especially in the mortgage industry, which we still probably have some over, uh, you know, companies maybe have too many workers still that they staffed up uh, during the last couple of years. So we're still going to see some job loss there. You released your 2023 forecast, right? That was the big news this week. We're, we're recording this on Jobs Friday. So it was just a couple days ago that you did that. What have, what have been the questions, most of the questions you've gotten since you released your forecast? So your forecast went over home prices, it went over inventory, mortgage rates, housing recession, and the general economy. What have you gotten the most questions about? Here's the thing. A lot of new people, this is the first time they've read my forecast. And it's very detailed. Um, there, I mean, there's no, what, what do we always say, Sarah? What if we home prices just fall 10, 15, 20%, 10, 15, 20%. <laughs> we hear that 10, a lot. 15, yeah. Okay. So everything has to connect the dots with my work. So I think the, the number one question was with the 10-year yield. Right. Uh, especially like now people go back, you know, five or six years and we, I talk about these channels. Uh, uh, I, I would take my body of work against any human being on planet Earth. I, I just wish I could get seven billion people live on TV and then we could just go at it. And the channels, especially during COVID and what we're talking about now about the 10 year yield getting to, you know, 3.21% and, and trying to explain how that works with inflation being as high. I think that's that's the case because so many people were spoon-fed the 8 to 10% mortgage rate uh, premise in October. And then we came with that October article. See, there, the, see everything kind of connects the dots. We connected start with October, right? And then we go into the 2023 forecast. So I say, listen, read the body of works. Have Listen to people who have some kind of model. Fight me on my model or what it, the reasons are, but don't just say 8 10% mortgage rates, 10, 20% home price declines without, you know, getting there. And uh, trying trying to get people to understand that or how I look at the bond markets, because I think the biggest misunderstanding uh, has been this conspiracy theory that it's the Fed. If the, if the Fed stopped QE, which I've been dealing with for, God, it's eight years now. If the Fed stops QE, that's it. Mortgage rates go to 8 to 10%. There's something about 8 to 10%. Right, it's just like the ten to twenty percent home price people that declines. Um, QE is done. Mortgage-backed security purchases are not uh, there. So the 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 number one chart I try to show people, I say, you look at the ten-year yield, you look at mortgage rates, you go back to nineteen seventy-one. 
That is a healthy, long-term marriage that have been slow dancing with each other for decades, right? They don't really ever deviate. You could have spreads that are wide, of course, but they don't really break away from each other, right? They're madly in love with each other, right? They are in it to the end. Um, focus on bond yields first, because I, I am not a mortgage-backed security guy. I, in fact, the only thing I've ever written in my life for Housing Wire is I, I'm telling people, don't look to me to mortgage-backed securities. It's not my thing, right? I just look at the bond yields. I target bond yields first. So trying to explain that to people, because I think a lot of people have just said, well, if the Fed's are raising rates, there are no QE, 8 to 10% mortgage rates. If we were going to have 8 to 10% mortgage rates, it would have happened last year. Because the 10-year yield would have been north of what? The same level I've always talked about. Would have been north of five and a quarter percent because the bond market believes that inflation is entrenched. And that's where it's going. Not the case. We are last time I checked, 3.58% with everything we have just gone through right, right now. So um that's the number one question. And then you know the home the home price model, right? You know, telling people, listen, the last two years I had price declines were. 2011 and 2012, back then was demand and supply. Here, trying to explain to people, we are going to start 2023 with the second lowest level of active supply ever recorded in U.S. history, in the written recent history that we have the data. Um, that's not the issue, right? 2007 and eight had near 4 million active listings. Demand was falling. Here, whatever that needs to get sold, the pricing mechanism, when rates get above 5.875, because... That's what I wrote all going back 2013 said, listen, if rates get above 5.875, my affordability index, this is why I always say, if somebody tells you price declines, don't let them get away with just saying, I believe a 10% decline. <laughs> I believe 20% decline. I believe a two year price decline of 10. Have them give you their model, figure out what they're talking. Cause they, I wish, I, I wish I could get away with this stuff. I just go 10%, 20 20%, 10%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%
you know, we've had some of these people on before this particular combination. I don't think that we've had exactly before. I'm very excited because each of you brings something different to the table. Yes. And also for this year, the housing wire tracker was created because again, for me, like, like purchase application data and bond markets are my thing. I mean, that's, that's, that's relatively how we track housing cycles. And I think those two with Altos Research inventory channels, I mean, if you want the freshest, newest, forward-looking data, in this environment, you have to, right? In the previous expansion, it wasn't really that crazy, right? We, it was a slow recovery. It was a, the weakest housing recovery ever. So we didn't have really big deviation. The only time where it was actually uh, where you can make a big call was in 2018. And I remember 2018, at, like 2018 was when housing bubble 2.0 was about to crash. That's when all the podcast stock traders and the anti-central bank people went ape again. Oh, home prices are going back to 2012 levels. And I said, do you guys even know that purchase application data has only had three mild negative prints? No, you don't. Why? Because you don't read. And what do we say about people that don't read? The history of human civilization has never looked never looked promising for people who believed in burning books instead of reading them. You know, I, right? I thought we were about to hear a Peloponnesian War reference right there, but no, burning books. Okay, I got it. No, no I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it's just that, it's just that I, I realize that if this is professional trolling, okay, if that's your life, fair enough. Everyone has their own thing, whatever. But if you're, if you're telling people that purchase application data is down 20% when it isn't, you're a pathological liar or you don't read, right? So you're one of those two. So what I've always wanted to do, I mean, this is my dream, teach people economics, show people that there is a few things that have to happen when things get good or things get bad. And this eliminates the troll and orc armies that I've had to deal with. Uh, out there for a decade. Because listen, we had the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded. Study. We had the most bearish American citizens with Russian trolls working together. They missed out. COVID-19 recovery, I'm willing to forgive everyone that they went depression crazy early on, even though we wrote the America's Back Recovery Model on April 7th, 2020. But when the recovery was happening, they still couldn't get it low. These are not your warriors to get you through economic cycles. These are might be great entertainers, but they're not data people, right? So the nerds need someone to fight for themselves, right? <laughs> no, I'll nominate me. You're the nerd warrior. Okay, yeah, so. Logan, that is you. Okay, so I would tell our audience um, on every Monday, housing market tracker on Housing Wire. You're writing that every Monday. You're looking at three things. You're looking at purchase application data. You're looking at inventory data from Altos Research. You're looking at mortgage rates. So that's the most up-to-date thing. And then also, you know, look at your forecast and sign up for our... February 6th, market update, housing market update. And with that, we're going to close this one. Logan, thank you so much. Entertaining as always and insightful. Sarah, it is a pleasure. I cannot express to you how excited I am of 2023 because some of the things we've talked about on Housing Wire for the last few months that have been simply ignored by others started to come through fruition. And like we've always said, we, we fundamentally believe in the principle on being the detective and not the troll. Not the troll. Okay, we will end there. Thank you so much, Logan.
have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.